We interrupt our program to bring you this important message. Good morning. Today is Tuesday, June 13th, and my name is Scott Shera. I am Grace's dad. I believe God took Grace prematurely to do a number of things, but one is to wake me up and wake others up. And that is why this program is called Deprogramming with Grace's Dad, because as I have been deprogramming myself every single day, I take on the responsibility of sharing those situations with anybody with ears to hear. So my guest today is very unique and special. I think everybody will love him. Uh, before we introduce him, I'll just say a couple of things. One is I've got my um, hot pepper tie on today, which is this is the only second time I've worn that. And that's because I think the topics today could be pretty hot. And then second is the thing that I always do, which is I introduce stories and pictures relative to grace. I pick three very unique ones and they're not related at all, but they're all over the place because I think this conversation could go all over the place. So Don, with that being said, could you bring in the first picture of the buffalo? So I've shared before how Grace helps me with uh, calves and we had a buffalo calf born a couple of weeks ago. So she didn't help with buffalo calves. I didn't don't either because these are wild animals, but the calf was born a couple of weeks ago and the mom's finally bringing it up into the corral area. And so then she was with the dad, all three together, which I could hardly believe. So I snapped this picture a couple of days ago and I'm sharing it. Can you bring in the, well, actually, I'm going to give an introduction for the next picture first before you bring it in. So this next picture is in our woods. Grace and I, um, every time she'd come to the the warehouse woods with me, we'd take a ride through the woods and it was, it was always a blast. And we would make a stop by this one tree. She found it one time that we'd make a stop by this one tree. And this tree survived a tornado last year. The tree's been dead. I don't know for how long, at least uh, a dozen years and it's falling down. And then a, a huge tree last year during a tornado fell right next to it. But this dead tree was saved it was spared so i just looked at that as okay i think it's it's time i let the world know what uh kind of shenanigans grace and i were up to so go ahead and bring in that picture don all right so this is first time for the world to see this this is the wiener tree all right so don can you bring in the next picture so this one is in honor of my guest who is has been a coach for 35 years back uh, starting in the late 90s going backwards so this is grace playing softball and she was she got a base hit from from that shot so anyway three unrelated pictures uh, don can you bring coach dave in welcome dave good to see you great to be here and i want to apologize first of all for the green screen for those of you who don't understand green screen technology most of the media uses this all the time. In fact, when, sometimes during the Gulf War, we found some of those guys standing out in front uh, saying that they were at the battlefield when, in fact, they were standing in front of a, this is cardboard, standing in front of a green screen from which you can project a background. So when I do my regular show, I have a stadium I put behind me, my webmaster does. But we, I, we don't have that technology for, for today's show. So uh, just forgive me for the green screen hitting you in the face so bright. 
Well, one of the clips we're going to show does have you in your program in the the uh, live green screen. So we'll, yeah. when we get to that, people will see exactly what you're talking about. So I've titled today's, well, first of all, I want to tell you how I, I met Dave about two months ago. He was at a conference in Wausau, Wisconsin. And I thought, oh, my gosh, this guy would be fantastic to come on uh, the Deep Programming podcast. And he graciously decided to do so. In fact, he had me on his podcast also. And I just I, I really enjoy his personality. And um, I think everybody listening today will also enjoy it. So I've titled today's program Coach Dave Shares How We Can Pass the Salt. And we'll get into passing the salt as I ask some more questions. But you know, Dave was a 35-year high school football coach before he got into the fight. And he got into the fight in the 90s. And Dave, I want to just start out by you sharing the story of how you ended up fighting for two years because of your First Amendment rights uh, being violated because of mixing prayer with coaching. So can you give yeah. the background? Yes. Yes, God. Thanks. Thanks for having me. And thanks for not reading that bio I sent to you. I mean, I, I some of that stuff embarrasses me. I was a high school football. First of all, I, I want people to understand that I had a radical born again experience in 1988. And uh, um, some of you know what that means. Some of you don't know what it means. I went from serving the king of beers to the king of kings almost overnight. It was a transformation in my life in 1988. And uh, really, really radical. I did for me what a phone booth did for Clark Kent. Yeah. <laughs> You, talk, you know Clark Kent. Man, a lot of the younger viewers said, "Who's that, Grandma? Who's he talking about?" <laughs> Superman, right? Superman used to step into a uh, phone booth and he came out with his cape, and that's me, man. When I got when I got born again, it happened. And so it was shortly after that. I was I was I was 30, 35 years old. I was um, coaching at the time, and uh, man, when I had that born again experience, and I quit from I quit being who I used to be to this new guy. I prayed for a new job, not because I needed a new job, but I couldn't get away from me, Scott. <laughs> I mean, everywhere I went, I, I was there, and that old that old me was there. And the Lord gave me a new job in, in a small town of London, Ohio, just west of Columbus, Ohio, and uh, took off coaching football, winning and kicking butt and doing great and everything good. And in 1997, through a series of events, I always tell people this, when you're, when you're a football coach, you make a lot of enemies. Because if your kid doesn't get to play, then – uh, grandpa's mad and grandma's mad and the neighbors are mad and aunt and uncle are mad and you become an idiot. And so uh, for, for football coaches in particular, it's hard. Longevity is tough because you do make so many enemies when you go through it. But I got uh, I got sued by the ACLU in 1997 for praying with our football team. Now, it really wasn't about prayer, Scott. It was about really who got to be quarterback and who didn't, and, and just a long list of disgruntled people. But when the ACLU came in, it just blew our little little small town uh, you know, blew it up and went national and all that stuff. Well, went through that two-year battle with the ACLU for my God-given right to be able to pray. And uh, at the conclusion of it, uh, 2000 was, was my last season. We went undefeated. I won them all, and I walked away. Walked away from teaching and coaching and started Pass the Salt Ministries. Matthew chapter 5, uh, verse 13, uh, 513 says, You're the salt of the earth, but the salt loses its savor. It's good for nothing. Set to be cast out and trodden under the foot of men. And I found out that uh, during my battle with the American Civil Liberties Union, uh, most of Christianity was good for nothing, especially the pastors. Sorry, friends, if this upsets you. I'm just telling you the truth. And uh, 
you know, this idea bound to the government. And, you know, I mean, it was, it was pretty much amazing. So I launched past the salt ministries saying, come on, man, we got to engage. We got to do what Scott's doing. We got this stuff's going on around us. And if you think that we can just sit around and let the devil and his minions and the Luciferians have free reign and we're going to be okay. You're crazy, dude. You are crazy. And that's been my message for 20 some years. Scott, and of course, uh, as you know now, the guy who's, you said, man, your eyes are being open and seeing what's going on. Right. Silence isn't golden. Silence is deadly. Silence is cowardly. And uh, so that's that's what we do here at Coach Dave Live. We actively engage the culture. We're unashamed of our Christian faith. And we believe that uh, uh, nothing's going to change until Christians stand up and begin to fight back against this culture. So in a nutshell, that's what, that's what we do. Wow. That was a fantastic introduction. We're going to dive into the pastor thing in a little bit. I do want to have a couple other stories that I heard you tell when we were in Wausau to warm the audience up. So one is I want to have you tell about the story of checking on your employee. <laughs> <laughs> one of the crazy things we did, this happened about uh, just after the election, just after the election, uh, I was out mowing my grass. And, uh, you know, when you're mowing your grass, it's great because you can't hear anything but you rather than the Lord, the Holy Spirit. And uh, I, I made the decision I was going to go visit Hillary's house. I was going to Hillary's house. And I got off the mower, went and told my wife, said, hey, honey, I'm going to go visit Hillary. Of course, she just rolled her eyes because she knew I'd do it. <laughs> I jumped, in, jumped in my car and, and uh, about seven and a half hours. We live in, just outside Columbus, Ohio. and drove about seven and a half hours to 15 Old House Lane, Chappaqua, New York. I tried to get some others to go with me, but... But they wouldn't, so I went anyway, and and I, I scared to death, boy, and pulled pulled up into Chappaqua and drove down the road, and there was there was Bill Clinton's house, it's just a cul-de-sac, lives down a cul-de-sac, just like everybody else, and I pulled in the cul-de-sac and prayed on my way in, and scared as I could be, and just as I pulled in, all of a sudden, boy, cop cars come, you can imagine, I threw the doors open in my car and jumped out, so they knew I didn't have a gun or anything, and the guy comes up, says, uh, sir, uh, do you have any identification? And I said, reaching for my wallet, I said, yeah, my Dave Dobbin, mine from Columbus, Ohio, uh, well, what are, you, what are you doing here, sir? I said, well, I came to check on one of my employees, and he just kind of looked at me and said, sir, a former president of the United States lives here. I said, I know, and his wife's a felon. Why don't you guys do something about it? I'm not, I'm not making any of this up. <laughs> and they didn't really, they didn't really know what to say, you know. So they looked at my ID and they asked me a few questions and sent me on my way. And then of course I went down the road and peed my pants because I because I thought, wow, what was that all about? But we went back again, Scott. We, I went back three times to Bill and Hillary's house, 15 Old House Lane. The third time we went back, I took 150 people with me. And they had the Memorial Day parade and Hillary was in it, Bill was in it, and Cuomo was in it, and all those, all those folks were in it. And we lined the streets and held up signs as probe Hillary and indict Hillary is one of the most fun things we'd ever done because that's what we do. That's what that's what we do here at Coach yeah. Dave Live. We've been to Biden's house. We've been to Obama's house. We've been to Bill Barr's house. I mean, they work for us, folks. They work for us, right? So I don't expect all of you out there to be quite as aggressive as what we are, but uh, we love uh, we love pushing back against the forces of darkness. Uh, I, I just enjoy that story. And you're right. I mean, everybody has a different personality that fits perfect with your personality, right. but it shows people the extreme that you can do. It's all legal. It's all right. It's all, it was fantastic. And she does work for me, right? She works for me. She's a secretary of the state. She works for me. I pay her bills, but we got it backwards, right? We think we work for them. 
So then another warm-up story I want you to talk about is when one of your players was down in the field and you wanted to find out if he's uh, really injured. Yeah, well, 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 I coached a long time, Scott. I coached I was a high school football coach for 35 years. Pretty good when we were pretty successful, really. And uh, a lot of times kids during football games, specific times, uh, sometimes you find they're laying, laying on the field. They don't get up after a play. And sometimes it's just for attention, to be honest with you, right? And so I got onto that one early in my career. So whenever a guy would lay, be laying down on the field, I'd, I'd run out to him. And before, before he'd get up or anything like that, I'd, I'd lay down. I'd say to him, listen, are you hurt or are you injured? Because those aren't the same things. <laughs> They're not the same things, right? Somebody can say something to you and it hurts your feelings, but are you injured? Can you still keep playing? And if, if a young guy... The young guys, they always got it, right? And they said, no, no, coach, coach, I'm just hurt. And I said, okay, well, man, take a minute and then get up and we'll get you up. But if you're injured, we're going to get you some help. But you also know this, if you're injured, you're probably not going to be able to play anymore. That always, that always will wake them up because we know every kid wants to play, right? But that's where we are in America. And, and, and Scott, in your experience, because I know your experience, that, that was, were you hurt or were you injured? And dude, you were injured, weren't you? You were injured. And you recovered and you got back up and you got back in the game and you played. And I think that those of us who are actively engaged in this war are going to have to differentiate between those two things. Because the Bible tells us that there are fiery darts of the wicked one that are being shot at us, right? And the shield of faith blocks those. And we have to engage the culture. And sometimes you got to do it with a sore ankle. Yeah, that's that's right on. I, uh, you know, you made quite a difference in those men's lives those men today are different because of you challenging them with that question. And then, that's, that's what we've got to, we've all got to be doing that because there coaches is, do, isn't it Scott? Yeah, that's what that's coaches exactly. do. The job of a coach is to get a player to play beyond what the player on his own thinks he can achieve. That's what a coach does. Whether they're the best player or whether they're the worst player, they can all play better than they realize. And it's my job. I have failed as a coach if I don't get a player to perform to his to his, his, his the top of his ability. Yeah, that's that's right on. So you you know you and I have been given the opportunity to do something beyond the norm. Part of the reason is we both have the time to be able to do it. So I want to talk about some practical ways that. People who are, you know, they're in, they want to be in the fight, but they've got, you know, they've got to work, they've got to do all kinds of things. And, you know, that's the reality of life, but still they're called to occupy. Mm -hmm. And so can you talk through some ideas that are practical for people listening? Again, I come everything uh, from a, a Christian perspective, folks. So just bear with me. If, if you're not a believer, that, that's okay. But uh, I, I believe that uh, the Bible teaches us that there's, there's two teams. There's a seed of the serpent, tells us in Genesis, and the seed of the woman. So team devil and team Jesus, team Satan, and it's a football game. And that our battle is not between flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, against evil spirits in high places, and weapons of our warfare, not carnal, but mighty, to the pulling down of strongholds, being a spiritual battle that we are all engaged in. And if we begin to understand that, that we're to take captive every thought that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Scott, I want you to stop and think, folks out there as you're watching this, how many people during COVID were motivated by fear? 
theory. In fact, in, in your testimony, that's one of the things you regret, isn't it, Scott? When you Absolutely. think, boy, when I, with, my, with grace, I, if I just hadn't been so afraid at the beginning, wanted to do the right thing. So we, I have a little saying. You remember uh, uh, Wizard of Oz, lions and tigers and bears. Oh, my. Well, I say it's uh, uh, lies, fear, and uh, my brain just went dead on me. Uh, uh, the devil lies to us. Deception. Lies, deception, and fear. Oh my. Lies, deception, and fear. Oh my. Lies, deception. And Scott, next thing you know, you look around and we're, not, we're afraid to do anything. I won't say something to somebody. They might get mad at me. They may not like me. And we always imagine the worst. And my faith teaches me this that I have to take captive every thought, a lie, deception, or fear, and bring it to the obedience of Christ. Say, okay, now wait, wait a minute. What's really the truth here? Am I really going to die from this COVID? Well, what does the Bible? say about that then that's that's the battle that we have that we the wrestling not against flesh and blood because not everything is the devil but everything can be influenced by the devil right i believe i believe satan's real right and fear fear is his greatest weapon lies deception and fear and folks if we don't bow to lies deception and fear Man, we are riding on top of the boat. We're not down in the in the bottom of the boat. And so that's what I try to encourage people to say. Number one, is it true? And who told you it's true? And where did you hear that? And what does the Lord say about that? What does the Bible say about that? And until we begin to engage that way and bring take captive those thoughts and bring it to the obedience of Christ, what does the Bible say about this? What does Jesus say about Because that's the truth. And the Bible says only the truth shall make us free. Hey, Scott, I never wore a mask, not one time. Not one time would I put on a mask. Wouldn't do it. That's uh, that's fantastic. I mean, I did at the beginning, and I, I had said the private businesses that want me to wear a mask to go in, I don't have a problem with that because they're a private business, but the ones that are being forced by the government, I refuse once I, once I connected the dots, but now mm-hmm. I've said many times, I will never wear a mask again. It's a growth process, isn't it? It's a growth process. It is a growth process, but I mean, people will say the, these foolish things. They'll say, I have a, a number of comments based on what you said, but they'll say, well, is that a hill you want to die on? And the answer is yes, it is a hill I want to it die is. on. Why? Because every little truth hill is a is a hill to die on. Otherwise, you're submitting yourself to the slippery slope. So we have to stand firm on the little things so that when the big big things happen, we get it. You know, and a, a practical thing that people can do. So you mentioned about uh, we have to find out the source. You know, until you know the why, you know nothing. So don't just believe things. Because that's where, you know, lies are going to come in. I mean, that's obviously Satan's uh, trap. But I mean, if we if we learn to ask the childlike questions, why, 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 until we get to the source, then we know what the source is. Is it true or false? Is it from God or Satan? The other thing that you mentioned about obedience, take every thought captive. And, you know, the a pastor, when I first um, became alive, and knew I was one of God's. My born again experience was not as dynamic as yours, but it was pretty dynamic. But anyway, a pastor I listened to way back then, uh, 30 years ago, he said, "Obedient." a definition of faith is obedience in spite of the perceived consequences. Mm. And that I really like that definition because this is the stuff you can do in your workplace. You can challenge 
So you have this um, perceived consequence. The person isn't going to like you. And that's the that prevents us from telling the truth 99% of the time, right? But obedience Lies, deception, of, and fear, right? Lies, right? deception, and fear, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah so, so I like the way you did that versus giving people specific action points. I mean, look at this in terms of lies, deception, fear. I mean, Grace lost her, when I shine the light on me, Grace lost her life because I was fearful and took it to the for the right reason though, right, Scott? You had a good motive to be afraid, but you it was a lie. You believed something that Correct. wasn't true, right? And so that comes back to, again, taking captive every thought that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. I'm not talking about, about being recklessly foolish in your faith. I'm not going to go tempt God and jump off my roof and think I'm going to be okay. That's not what I'm talking about. But we we know this that during the, one of the things I really settled on Scott during during the whole COVID thing when it broke out it says in Hebrews chapter ten verse uh, thirty four I believe it is that we should forsake not the assembling of ourselves together even more as we see that day approaching and when I get when that truth came to me and I saw that they were trying to keep the churches from getting together I knew that was from the devil that is not from the Lord because the Lord said gather together the strength as you gather together and what does the Bible say you smite the shepherd and the sheep scatter. So I saw from the very beginning that this was a scheme of the wicked one, and I didn't fall from the from from the beginning. Yeah, well, that was that was right on. I mean, and, and the reason you didn't is because you had taken time to develop roots beforehand, and that is, I mean, that's the time we're in. We're we're in a a season that is urgent and it's urgent that we get right with God and develop roots because you know, what is, what's coming next? I mean, it's anybody's guess, but mm. you know, they, they fooled us once with a pandemic. I think pandemics are going to just be the, the normal course of things. I don't know that we're ever not going to have a pandemic because it opens up a window uh, to accomplish their goal. But you know, what's next? You know, it's they've got to outdo the last thing to get us fearful again. So, you have what's any thoughts on? I'm on sorry. What's, do you have any thoughts on what's coming next? Yeah. Well, I don't, first of all, I don't want, didn't mean to interrupt. I tell people I do it for a living. Sorry, it's just kind of, <laughs> I'm kind of impulsive. You know, Psalm two says, "Why do the heathen rage and the people imagine a vain thing? The kings of this earth have set themselves, and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against His anointed." There's the fight, Scott. There, right there, is the fight. And I believe that uh, when Jesus said that, "Go ye into all the world and teach them to observe all I've commanded you, and lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age." He told us we were being drafted into God's military as such, yeah. right? Go right. and conquer. Basically, is what it's talking a kingdom uh, a mindset, a kingdom. God's in control of everything, everywhere. That's, that's my mindset. So when I get engaged in it, I ask myself as an old football coach, uh, just having common sense, would I want my player to rush in there or not? Is there a better way to run this play or not? But I try to never be motivated by fear. If I find myself being afraid, Scott, I try to confront it. And one of the things that we, that we do, like when I was a little kid, uh, I, this would be a good, you'll relate to this. I, I had two older brothers and we'd go to the swimming pool and they had this big sliding board. You had to climb up and slide down that board. You remember that, right? I was about yes. six years, I was six years old yeah. and I'd climb up and I'd get scared and I'd come down. Yeah. And I did that about three times. And then my brother, Joe, my oldest brother, Joe, the fourth time I went up and my brother, Joe came up behind me and he says, you're not coming down. I said, what? Oh, I was crying. Yeah. Nope. You're going to go down. If you don't go down, I'm going to push you. 
So you know how did you hang on? I slide down. I didn't want to in front of them. Down and hit the water. And you know what? The amazing thing happened. As soon as I hit that water, I ran to get back up and go do it again. Right. So if we have to face our fears and realize when we step through that veil of fear, it's gone. It doesn't, it isn't there. It's false. It's fake. And that's what the devil's tried to convince us to do, to be so afraid, going to offend somebody, hurt somebody's feelings, make somebody mad. Brother, it's only the truth that sets us free. And the weapons of the devil's warfare is lies, deception, and fear. Now, hey. Yeah, I was reminded on a program yesterday that fear, the acronym is false evidence appearing real. And, right. You know, in that I... I uh, had listened to a a video over the weekend about that concept, that uh, level I really hadn't dove into before, but it's with the hologram technology. And yeah. um, is that where they're going with this with, you know, they, they're already planting the seeds in the media for UFOs. And I mean, who knows? I mean, this is, it's an insane time we are in. I, I would have never thought I would experience this in my lifetime, but we're in it. Yeah. Scott, one of the things that is this unveiling, and you're, you're probably walking that way. I, you know, they call they for years and years and years, still today, they call me conspiracy theorist, right? Conspiracy right. theorist, right? Well, a lot of those theories I had, they're coming true, aren't they? Right? So when we didn't want to believe that they wanted to take your daughter and put her in the hospital and kill her, you didn't want to believe that, did you, Scott? No. I didn't. Yeah. No, but because we wouldn't do that, right? Government wouldn't do that. No, they wouldn't. The government's here to help us, right? But if you look at it from a spiritual standpoint and understand that there are elements within the government that ha that do want to want to kill your daughter, do want to kill old people. Think about that. Think how many old people died off during COVID who took vaccines and went on remdesivir. Think how much money they saved through Social Security payments that they don't have to make and all kinds of stuff. So if we would understand that we are now living in a nation with an occupied government, meaning what? We know Jesus Christ is the King of the Kings and the Lord of Lords, but they're they're demonic dominions, man. They're, they're a wicked spirits that are in control of what's going on in this government. And it's not just Republican, Democrat. It's, it's all across the spectrum. I, I agree. And, you know, I, as I see it is, I believe that this exposure of evil is also part of Satan's plan so that he can recreate himself as an angel of light. And I'm already seeing right. the anti-establishment crowd come up with these angel of light strategies that, you know, we are, we're suckers for security and comfort. And, you know, so as Satan reinvents himself and the, you know, uses the anti-establishment crowd, uh, it seems to me that's what's happening because the consistent theme with all the proposed solutions that are coming up is there's no repentance. There's no acknowledgement as to how we got here. And so that's how that's how I see it now. And I think that's that's a critical thing for us to wake up to, especially as Christians, is that we can be duped. And if we're not <laughs> awake to what the overall strategy is, um, you know, we can uh, we can be duped even worse than what we were duped with with COVID. So, so Second Thessalonians chapter two, I believe it is, maybe three. I think it's chapter two, says this: because they rejected the truth, the Lord would send a strong delusion that they would believe a lie. Now, folks, understand this again from a biblical perspective. Maybe you don't have a biblical perspective. That's okay, but the what we're seeing going on 
is because we have rejected the truth in America in particular and in much of the church, the Lord as a form of judgment upon us, Scott, has sent a strong delusion. This delusion is from the Lord. You see, Coach, what do you talk about a delusion? Yeah, there are people here watching right now that actually believe Bruce Jenner is a woman. How could you possibly think that? Anybody like our age who grew up with him being the greatest, world's greatest athlete, being on the Wheaties box and Sports Illustrated, right. and now, now he's a woman? What the heck? Well, it's the judgment of God. Why? Because we have rejected truth. And again, lies, deception, and fear. So the more we understand this and uh, seek the truth, it's the truth that sets us free, right? Hey, Scott, you're a free guy today, right? You've paid a horrible price for it, but your mind is free now. You understand what's going on, and they'll never do it to you again, will they, Scott? They will never do that to me again, and that's why I'm spending my life trying to share this with other people is because I, you know, if if you can save a life over this, it's all worth it. And you know, Grace's death has already done that. I mean, we there's a number of verses that that come to you as you're walking through this. And the one that, that we are standing on is Genesis 50, 20, you know, it, it uh, where Satan meant it for good, but or for evil, but God meant it for good, the saving yeah. of many lives. And, you know, we've had multiple situations already where lives have been saved. And, you know, that's, that's a, that's a neat piece of walking through this. Um, you know, that doesn't take away from the fact that I miss my little buddy. I mean, can you imagine going through the woods like I should? I mean, <laughs> we come to the that tree and great. Oh, there's that's a wiener tree. I mean, I mean, the kid was just <laughs> she was just a laugh a minute. Yeah, anyway. Yeah. Um, all right. I want to switch yeah, gears. Let, now. Let, me, gonna... let me throw this in there, Scott, because I just I just heard from the Holy Spirit. It says in the 23rd Psalm that uh, goodness and mercy shall follow you all the days of your life. And if you're anything like me. There have been times in your life you say, are you kidding me? Goodness and mercy. Uh, could you send a little bit of that stuff my way, right? <laughs> what? Right? But see, we, we miss it, Scott, because goodness and mercy is following you, Scott, meaning this. Because of that horrible mess that you went through and the grief that you've gone through and all of that, because of that, you are now cutting a new path. And you know what's happening? Goodness and mercy is following you, Scott. It's not out in front of you. You've taken that experience and you said, you know what? I'm going to go clear the way for everybody else. And now that you've done that, it's easier for them. So quit looking for goodness and mercy out in front of you because it's not out in front of you. It's behind you. It's what you're leaving for those who are following you. Isn't that a great perspective on it? Wow. Yeah, I I really appreciate that, Dave. I you know I knew it would be fantastic to have you on, and that that was worth the price of admission right there. Amen. Yeah, I want to um, switch gears here a bit and tell everybody if you tune in to Coach Dave Live, you're in for this type of treat every day. And there was a show that he did last week. I'm going to have Don play a clip regarding joy. So Don, can you play that clip right now? And then it hit me. I came home just before I went to bed. Somebody sent me this video. This is Oklahoma, University of Oklahoma girls softball team who just won back-to-back -back, uh, national championships. And it's an interview of these girls. Not these Christian girls, just girls on the on the team. And Coach Norm, I don't know if you're listening out there, but I, I remember back when I was in London. I'm going somewhere. Stay with me. When we were coaching at London High School, and, and uh, when I got sued, just before I got sued by the American Civil Liberties, you better hear me. The devil hates unity. The devil mm -hmm. hates unity. And uh, 
That's what happened to, to us at London High School, our unity on our football team, because we were teaching biblical principles to the kids as part of our coaching. And our kids were so tight that they began to call us a cult. We've heard that before, right? Oh, I can show, I can take, give you some testimonies. Oh, those guys, those coaches, they're like a cult. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. 1999. Anyway, before I went to bed last night, I, somebody sent me this and I played this. Eyes up. This is what it's about. Go ahead and play it. It's three minutes. Start with ESPN. For, for the players, I know you talked about keeping the joy of the game, but I'm curious. It's a long season, right? And you guys have had the target on your back the entire time, the win streak being number one. How do you handle the unique pressure that comes with that? How do you keep the joy for so long when anxiety seems like a thing that could very easily set in? Well, the only way that you can have a joy that doesn't fade away is from the Lord. And any other type of joy is actually happiness that comes from circumstances and outcomes. Um, I think Coach has said this before, but joy from the Lord is really the only thing that can keep you motivated, um, uh, just in a good mindset, uh, no matter the outcomes. Thankfully, we've had a lot of success this year, but if it was the other way around, uh, joy from the Lord is the only thing that can keep you embracing those memories, moments, friendships, and all of that. So uh, I would, that's really the only the only answer to that because there's no other way that softball can bring you that um, because of how much failure comes in it and just how much of a roller coaster the game can be. I really like her perspective on joy and especially when comparing it to happiness because those are opposites. People don't realize, but those are opposites. And so there's a couple other things. So first, of course, now you get to see what a green screen looks like when it's filled in at the beginning. Yeah. So that's that's yeah. Dave's professional background that he uses on his show. And then I, I do want to drill down this business of unity because you started that clip by saying the devil hates unity. And I, I agree, but I don't want to leave it there because this is our discussion on what pastors are doing today because the devil also preys on unity. And I'm talking about EY, not AY. And because the unity principle is used as an excuse for a watered down version of Romans 14. And that's ultimately why we left the church that we were in is because the pastor wanted to, you know, everybody should just get along, kumbaya. No, there's really, that's a slippery slope. And the the devil also loves that. That's not the same unity that you're talking about, but it's taking the unity principle, which is only one of the many principles in scripture, to the nth degree and saying everything goes. There is no difference between men and women. And, you know, that's the slippery slope. So anyway, I wanted to get your perspective on, on these pastors, which I see the pastors in a different light because of what I've been researching. And specifically, the Jewish leaders and the pastors of the time in World War II led the Jews to the, the gas chambers. Yep. And I see the same thing with the Christian pastors today. And I'll just give a couple of things. And I want you to ramble a bit about Romans 13 and 14. But the things that I have personally researched, uh, number one, is that the I, I had heard and then I researched it myself that the Rockefellers have funded Christian seminaries. Well, then when I found that, I thought, oh, my gosh, and we'll talk about that in in uh, a bit. But then the second thing is up to 100,000 pastors have been trained by FEMA to round up their congregations in the event of a national emergency. I mean, how can you ever submit to that as a pastor? 
And then third, and maybe the most shocking short term, is about a month ago, a friend of mine sent me the research on the PPP loans in churches. So you remember when COVID first came out, they had these PPP loans. And a lot of the mega churches that were all familiar with the talking heads received in the millions of dollars for closing their doors. You know, it's stuff you can't make it up. So anyway, I want your your perspective, of course. Well, we're, we're warned in the in the by the way, they didn't have to pay him back. And I don't know if you know this or not. I, I, would, I wasn't ready for this, Scott, or I could give you all a website where you could go log on and you could find out exactly how much some of these churches received in government money during this COVID epidemic to do what? Keep your mouth shut, basically, is what it was. Unbelievable, unbelievable amounts, of, amounts of money. But uh, from, from my perspective, uh, being they, the, the churches were in many cases, bought off, Scott. And for somewhere along the line, we got mixed, mixed up on what we call Romans 13, to obey the government, all right? Obey the government. Render under Caesar that which is Caesar's. But I said, dudes, that's a question. The Lord says, uh, they came to Jesus and they showed him a coin and they said, uh, who's, uh, what do we do with this thing, Lord? And he says, well, whose picture's on it? And they said, well, so Caesar's is on it. And then Jesus said, hey, dude, Render to Caesar's what's Caesar. You think it belongs to him? <laughs> Go ahead and give it to him. But we have to also understand that Jesus didn't see people say he didn't get involved with politics. It's because they don't understand. Jesus Christ was not a Roman. When he stood before Pilate, what did he say to Pilate? You have no power over me. He was not a Roman citizen. But who did Jesus get in trouble with? You got in trouble with the church leadership, the Pharisees and the Sadducees and all those religious folks, right? He got in trouble with them. He called them a brood of vipers, white and sepulchers full of dead men's bones and all corruptions. So the group that had the authority over Jesus as a human being, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, he took them face on. He didn't mess with the government because the government had no authority on it. But Scott, we live in a different time now. The government. And the church, see, they told us that they lied to us and said there was a separation between the church and state. In other words, the church is not allowed to influence government, but the church has to obey everything godless government says. So it's a great misteaching. But the Bible tells us that in, sec, uh, in the book of Jude, that evil men have crept in unaware, and they changed the truth of God into a lie and worshiped and served the creature more than the creator. So I come back to the same thing in every aspect of my life. Team Satan, Team Jesus, we got us a fight going on here in every aspect of our lives. And Jesus told us, take captive every thought, because which who's whispering in your ear? Is the devil whispering in your ear, or is the Holy Spirit whispering in your ear? And in my in my mind, sounds simplistic. That's really the heart of what we're dealing with, Scott. And a lot, a lot of pastors and church leaders. They were listening to the wrong voice. Yeah, I, I really like how you boil it down to the simple team Jesus versus team Satan. That That is right on. A uh, quick thing you mentioned at the beginning, I, I want to clarify also because it's right on, is that they called this money that they gave to churches and you know, lots of different places. They called it a PPP loan, but in fact, it was a grant and it has no responsibility whatsoever to pay back. So, I mean, this was all free money that those churches um, got that they actually had to apply for it. So they millions applied for of, it. Scott, millions of dollars. We're talking millions and millions of dollars 
pastors were bought off with millions and millions of dollars. Now they can justify it, right? Uh, they can all justify why it was that they were doing the right thing and being good citizens and all that stuff. But hey, Scott, all you got to do is pick up the book of Acts and, and you'll find out that Jesus' followers weren't always good citizens of the Roman government, were they? So that's 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 the rule. Scott, that's the rule you find yourself in right now. And I don't know you well enough, but I bet you there are a lot of people saying, oh, Scott, just let it go. Just forgive and move. Right? And Scott, you know what? You can't do that because of what happened to your daughter. You have to make sure that never happens to somebody else's child again. That's exactly right. I can't. I mean, those type of voices, they come out regularly. And, uh, you know, I, I, I've already dealt with that. But I mean, it's, it's I'm not being tempted by those voices, but they come up. I mean, why don't you just get back to normal, get back yeah. to work, yeah. all those type of things. And I mean, you can't, uh, you know, to, you know, even I just want to go, you know, I, I, um, we need to throw churches under the bus when they're, when they're not doing their job, you know, and Jesus mm -hmm. said, either you're, you're with me or against me. So if they're not, if they're on the fence, if they're milk toast, that means they're against. So the PPP loans by churches means they're against period. That's end nobody, of story. nobody can, can serve two masters. You can't exactly. serve them both, right? You can't serve government and, you, and the Lord. You can't serve both of them. So that's, that's the, the dilemma that we find ourselves in, Scott. And uh, be honest with you, that's why I'm not real popular in a lot of Christian circles because I, I call them out. Remember this, I was a football coach, right? And I know what it's like to be fourth and one and make the wrong call and hear everybody screaming and hollering. Now, they didn't give me any slack. Fire the coach, kill him, throw tomatoes at him. Well, why is a pastor, why is a pastor any different than that? If the pastor's not, you mean to tell me that your pastor refused to take a position on COVID? He didn't take a position on it? I'd say, baby, do me a favor. Find yourself a new church, will you? Yep. Find yourself a new church. And I believe it is that serious, Scott. And I think there's a real reformation and rumbling going on in the American Christian church in particular because of the this idea that we're supposed to love and tolerate and accept and not push back and who are you to judge and all that malarkey that we've heard from so much from these mega ministries. And uh, that, that just go to the book of Acts and you're going to find out that uh, those dudes laid it on the line, cost them their heads. And Scott, Jesus Christ him said, himself said, of all those ever born unto a woman, none was greater than that loud mouth, John the Baptist. Jesus said that, right? <laughs> huh? He said, "You want?" He said, "Who's the greatest?" Oh, that, that, that loud mouth, that one who went and questioned ungodly authority. That's our responsibility. We're salt of the earth, not sugar. So, what was the Greek word for loud mouth? I'm just jousting. <laughs> I, I just, I just love the way you, you. <laughs> You you make the scripture come alive. It's amen, amen. Because it is alive, dude. It is it alive. It is right. alive, man. <laughs> can you imagine no being a pastor? Can you imagine being a pastor at a church and standing before the Lord and the Lord says, "Hey, why did you close church during COVID?" Can, uh, I mean, you can come on in here. I still love you. What what were, what were you thinking then, right? What what are you gonna say? What, what are you gonna say? Well, right? and I I want to just dive into one other deception. Yeah, we don't have to take a deep dive into it, but I see it as a deception because 
you know, it seems like what the churches have done is now they're all switched. They've switched gears to eschatology. Yeah. And I see that as another deception. What is the what is the purpose of that? I mean, mm. is there a purpose beyond we're, we already know we're in the days of Noah? Why do we need to? Why are they spending every single time they have to talk? They spend trying to drill down and date set. It, it's it drives me nuts. But I want your perspective of it, of course. They're cowardly. The cowardly. And by that, I mean this, Scott. They can say, Scott, we're so sorry about what happened to Grace, but you know, it's what it says is going to happen. So what the Bible says is just going to get worse and worse and worse. And we're really sorry, Scott, that golly, that you had to go through that and you're a victim of it. As opposed to standing up, the Bible says, occupy till I return. It says, have nothing to do with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. And we're being taught to tolerate, roll over, smile, love, when the gospel, Scott's teaching us just the opposite. Kingdoms in conflict. And the battle is over truth and a lie. And you can't have any fellowship with lies. You just can't. And so what I really love about you, Scott, and I've mentioned this to, to many people, you're not blaming the hospital for killing little Grace. You're blaming them for murdering Grace. Because that's what happened, isn't it, Scott? I mean, we can well, paint it over. We can make it sound as nice as we want to. They murdered your little daughter. And we ought to call it what it is. Well, I agree. I mean, the... It's interesting the different perspectives, even on that. They don't want, you know, there's a group that doesn't want me to call it murder. And, you know, you've got to go through the courts before or the district attorney. And, you know, the reality is, you know, I judged the facts and I looked at the facts and I thought, my gosh, they murdered her. Coming to that conclusion helped me to see things in the right light. And, you know, essentially the hospital, you know, from a technical perspective, the hospital has agreed that they murdered her. And so why do I say that? Because, they are afraid to sue me. They should be suing me. They should be. Right? Yeah, right. If if I'm if I'm defaming them, sue me. So then they have then they have to prove that she wasn't murdered, and that's the reality. This is, this is so important, friends. That you under, look. I'm not a know-it-all. I'm a helmet-head football coach. But I tell people I can think and I can read, and I have the Holy Spirit. All right. So we un, we understand this that if we don't call it for what it is, if we don't call sin for what it is, if we don't call it out, who is going to call it out? And the idea that that uh, it's somehow glorious for you to forgive and forget and permit it to happen to somebody else, the Bible says that it would be better uh, better for you they put a millstone around your neck and threw you into the deepest part of the ocean than it just mislead one of these little ones that believe in me, right? And we look That's the other great. way with transgenderism and cutting off kids' genitals and teaching them drag queen story hour, and the churches are getting involved in doing it, Scott. So what we have is a real, see, the Lord's drawing a line in the sand. He's drawing a line in the sand and you're either for him or you're against him. He said, Lord, Lord, in that day, many will say, didn't we cast out devils and lay hands on the sick and see him recover? Yada, yada. He said, depart from me, you workers of iniquity, for I never knew you. Uh-oh. We ask the wrong question in Christianity. Say, you guys know Jesus? Well, I hope you do, but that's not the right question. He know you? And you better know this. If he knows you, it's truth. Jesus is truth. God is love. Jesus is truth. They're melted together. When you love people, you tell them the truth. 
Yeah, that's well, that's exactly right. So just to close up that discussion, I mean, I, I you may put churches into more camps. I just see three right now. You know, the the liberalized churches that are on the slippery slope. You know, they don't call sin sin. You know, they brought in uh, vaccination clinics right into the church. Mm-hmm. You know, so that's that's the lion's share. And then you have. You know, I see a, a number of churches that are not on that camp, but they focus almost every minute in eschatology. And then I see the minority is focusing on occupying. And that's what yeah. I believe we're called to do. So the end time eschatology, I'm sorry, because you asked me that before and I never finished that up. The end time eschatology, Scott, gives them an out on fighting against the culture. Because they said, it's just getting worse. It's just, coach, it's just getting worse. You're just fighting against God, right? And I come back, they said, well, yeah, occupy till I come. And by the way, friends, let me uh, set you free with this truth here right here. Because we hear it all the time, Scott. And and, uh, that is, they say, well, you guys are judgmental. Christians are not to judge. I hear it over and over and over and over. I said, dudes, listen, I'm not a judge. Jesus is the judge. I'm a witness. I'm a witness to that is wrong. I'm not judging you, but I sure am a witness to what you're doing that that is wrong. Jesus is the judge. And by the way, he's already made a judgment on that. Uh, Murder is wrong. Judgment's already been passed. And I'm here to testify as a witness that that's what happened. Scott, you're not being judgmental. You're just testifying to the truth. Well, thanks for that, Dave. All right, I want to just have a couple more questions and before we close. So one is you tried your hands at politics in 2010. And in that vein, I want to get your perspective on JFK Jr. jumping into the presidential race. Robert Kennedy Jr., but maybe JFK still alive. Oh, did I say JFK? Yeah, oh, that's my God. That's yeah. Juan O'Savin, by the way. They say. <laughs> anyway, Scott, when I, ran, <laughs> when, I, when I ran in 2010, I was in my local district, I ran for Congress. Thank God I didn't get elected. But I put I, my name was pretty well known. I put the cross hat on my signs and all that kind of stuff. You know what I found out? Folks, I'm going to listen. You don't have to believe this, but I'm telling you, I know it firsthand. That most Christians, well, I hate to use the term most, many Christians do not want a real Christian in office. They don't really, they don't really want to. They've believed this lie, the separation between the church and the state. And so they look at a guy like me, he's pretty uncompromising with, with my beliefs and my stance. And they'd rather have a conservative, right. not a guy like me. And I say this that conservatism is pretend salt. Looks like salt, wow. feels like salt, but it ain't the same, is it? Right? There's a difference between sugar and salt. And so I found out during my run in 2010. Christians didn't turn out and vote for the Christian because why deep down inside Scott, they might really, their daughter might need an abortion. She might go to college and they might need an abortion. So they they're pro-life with exceptions. Scott, I'm telling you the truth. This is all the truth, right? And I say this to everybody that's watching out there. I don't care what the issue it is. If you could get all the churches in your town to agree on any one thing, let's say this, Scott, that every church in there in you're in Wisconsin, every pick a town, pick uh, it doesn't matter, Green Bay, Wisconsin. If every church in Green Bay, Wisconsin got together and said, listen, no more drag queen story hours in Green Bay, Wisconsin, Scott, there wouldn't be any more drag queen story hours in, in Green Bay, Wisconsin. That, that's right. Right. 
But we won't get together because we're confused. Are we being judgmental? Are we being hateful? Who are you to judge? You're intolerant. We're diverse. The words that the devil throws out, lies, deception, and fear, we're not smart enough to swim through the fog to where the truth is. And if we look at the body of Christ, whatever you could do, there's 27,000 denominations of Christianity. 27,000. Now, you know why they have a huddle in a football game, Scott? They want to get everybody on the same page. Yeah. And we got pastors that won't even talk to each other, don't even communicate with each other. My daughter, I'm not, be careful, I don't want to gobble up your time, but I talk for a living too. My, da- my daughter, when, when the Supreme Court ruled, after how many years telling us that there was a right to an abortion, there's a right to an abortion, and churches wouldn't fight it because, well, there's a right to abortion. We can't argue with the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court rules no right to an abortion in the Constitution, right? And my daughter said she went to church that next Sunday at her church, and they never mentioned it. They never even mentioned it, right? That the Supreme Court said there isn't a right to an abortion. And here in the state of Ohio, Scott, the debt Luciferians are now trying to codify it into our state constitution. And when the Supreme Court said no right to abortion, wouldn't you think the church would have come out in mass? And ended abortion? Right. No, no, no. No, we're not all on the same team. We think we are, but we're not. So I'm gonna I'm gonna fix my boo-boo now. So then thank you for that backdrop. What do you think about RFK Jr. jumping in the presidential race? Uh what a tangled web we weave when we first practice to deceive, right? Because uh they, they hate Robert F. Kennedy Jr. because why? He's been anti-vax for how long? Now, here's what, here's what, can I tell you something? Robert F. Kennedy, in a lot of ways, is just as anti-establishment as Donald Trump. And it's amazing to watch it that the Democratic Party, are you kidding me? We got a Kennedy? We got a Kennedy running? And they won't embrace him, will they? They won't embrace him. And so I've, I'm not name dropping. I've had the opportunity to, to be in a room with Robert F. Kennedy and and he's what they would call an old time liberal, right? Remember when, remember that Scott? Right. And they had principles and they stood up for things. He's an old time liberal. So to me, it's going to be fascinating to watch how this thing plays out because uh, I'm a Trump supporter, but folks, Donald Trump is for the vaccine. Yeah. You understand? He was for the He took credit for it. Robert Kennedy is against it. So, man, oh, man, who knows how this is going to play out. And he has not renounced the jab. No. Uh-uh. Uh, so, I mean, it's it really changes my my perspective. Um, I, <laughs> where is the truth? So, well, we know where the truth is, right? right. We know where it is. And it's this never, it's in, never in politics. It's never in politics. Uh, the love of money is the root of all evil. Not the love of money. That's not the, it's the, uh, the I'm sorry, not money, but the love of it is at the root of all. Just look at what's going on. It, it's. Have you ever seen a, a crazier time to be alive than what we see right now? There is no truth. All right. So now... This is uh, this will be an exclamation point because I heard this in your last talk in Wausau, Wisconsin. So this is my final question for you, and then I'll wrap up and come back to you. But uh, so in your tombstone, your wife, Michelle, came up in front of the group and said that you already have your tombstone scripted out. So she said to the whole room 
that on your tombstone it's going to say, "Here lies a dangerous man." Here lies a dangerous so, man. <laughs> give us. A, it's good. Here lies it? a dangerous man. So tell us. Yep. Yep. Dangerous it's, to the it's devil. It's like man. a glove. Yeah, it does. It does. Here lies a dangerous man. By the, by the, by the way, Scott, when I got sued by the American Civil Liberties Union, uh, I, I would get invited into churches and come because I can tell a story about a dog and make a cat cry, right? I mean, I have the gift of communication and motivation. And boy, they would love to hear me. They, they, they would love to have me come in, Scott, and talk about how, oh, I've been crushed by the ACLU and they came and attacked me, you know. And when I got in there, didn't do that, but said, hey, it's your fault. You sat around and let it happen. Come on, let's stand up and fight. <laughs> Boy, they quit inviting me, Scott. They love they loved the martyr. They didn't love the fighter, right? So when they when they throw that thing of dirt on me, that's what it's going to say. Here lies a dangerous man. Uh, oh, I, I, I just did. When I heard that, I, I thought it was fantastic, fantastic, especially after hearing you speak. So mm-hmm. I... I Dave, well, I'm going to just wrap things up, but then I'm going to come by back. By the way, you're you're a dangerous man too, brother. Well, I, I am you're following in in your humbly following in your footsteps, and you know I, it has been quite a gift to have met you. And I'm mm-hmm. I'm uh, I feel like I have a new friend in you, which is yes, really sir. neat. Likewise, brother. So, likewise, for sure. I'm going to come back to you after I wrap up for the final word. So, yeah, you know, those of you who have been watching, you know, I normally close with the gospel message. Today, I'm going to close with the gospel message that's alive in the scripture. So, Don, can you bring up Matthew chapter 18, 1 through 4? All right. So I'm going to, because I can't read that quite on my screen, I'm going to go to my Word document. It's in Matthew 18, 1 through 4 says, At that time, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, Who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? He called So Jesus, he called a little child to him and placed the child among them. And he said, truly, I tell you, unless you change and become like this, like the little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever takes the lowly position of this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. So what does the lowly position look like? And so I was listening to a sermon a couple of weeks ago, and it really reminded me of Grace, my daughter Grace, taking the lowly position. And for those of you who don't know, we named Grace, Grace after God's grace. You know, he gifted us with that little stinker, and we had her for 19 years. So what was she trying to show me in her 19 years? So here's a list of qualities that uh, my Grace had, which are godly qualities. She was humble, totally reliant loving, welcoming, forgiving, joyous attitude towards everything. Some of you may remember when we would do a lot of fun things in a day. You know, Grace changed our life. Our whole life became about her. And I would ask her at the end of a day, what was your favorite thing, Grace? And she would always say the same thing. And it was everything. You know, we go through and we think, oh, what was the first thing, second? What didn't I like? She just loved everything. Many, many times she would say to Cindy and I, this is the life because she just had that. It was it was um, it was strange to see it. And we had an angel amongst us. And so when I I look at her, um, she called she called me earthly dad. She called Cindy earthly mom. And when I look at her, I see that she was trying to desperately show me what it was like to be alive 
And mm. walking through her death, I'm finally waking up to God's ways. And it's slow. I mean, I'm a dumb man. I'm stubborn. and But I am waking up. And finally, Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing. As I've been talking a lot lately about the anti-establishment solutions being proposed, the consistent theme is no repentance. And it is critical that we all do not fall trapped to those next level solutions that will prey EY and our desire for security and comfort. Instead, we have a responsibility to occupy until Jesus comes again in the territory we are given. And Dave's message today about lies, deception, and fear, team Satan versus team Jesus, those are real practical things to just commit to top of mind awareness so that you're you're prepared. They are going to come after us and they're going to come after us with everything they've got. And what's next is anybody's uh, guess, but it's it's um, it's coming. So that being said, Dave, the final word. Fair not. Fair not. Huh? We are, Scott, we are least like Jesus when we're afraid, brother. Uh, that's only, that's only, we, we are at least like him. He was what a brave, brave guy he was. Yeah, he was the son of God. Yeah, he had divine qualities, but he had a he had a uh, a natural side of him. That dude was so brave. That's what I want to be, Scott. I want to be brave. That's why I say on the gra gravestone, here lies a dangerous man. You can only be dangerous if you're brave. Thanks for coming on today, Dave. This was really um, a pleasure. Honored. Thank you for having me. All right. You're welcome. Please stand by for further details. We return you now to your regularly scheduled program.